heart. Of course, the sermon this morning is the matchless love of God. Valentine's Day. When is it, fellas? Is that a question or a statement? As a reminder. Valentine's Day is this Tuesday, February the 14th. And one thing about Valentine's Day is it attempts to define what love is. I'm not going to tell you the story about St. Valentine. I want you to go home and Google the story behind St. Valentine. So that's your homework assignment. And then next week, you can stand up and give a report. Okay, you guys got that one. All right. Now, love is to be a characteristic or the characteristic of the people of God. In fact, Forestburg Baptist Church, what is it? Forest Baptist Church, we, what? we live by we live by faith and we're known by love. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus speaking, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. That would be easy if it stopped right there. But then he qualifies it. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So there is a standard. We have to love each other. We are to love each other the way Christ loves us. And then he goes on to say, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have Love one another. So if we truly love each other like Christ, the world is going to take note of that and say, aha, there truly are disciples, followers of Christ. Now, with that in mind, let's kind of shift and look at the world for the second. And many in our society are preoccupied with what they perceive as their rights. And this creates problems because when everybody is busy fighting over their right or rights, Everybody is so busy taking that no one gives. That creates a lot of problems. I mean, many people get annoyed when someone else receives recognition. When someone else gains privilege or status. I mean, after all, that's your right. Why are you taking that away from me? I deserve to be noticed. I deserve to have recognition. And to put our rights, or whatever you want to put in that blank, or my agenda, or what I want out of life above everything else. You know what that's called? Self-centeredness. Now in contrast, I want you to consider and reflect upon and contemplate the love of God. The love that he has for you and for me. Because the truth of God's love is at the very center of our text this morning. See how great a love. Realize how great a love. Perceive how great a love. Comprehend how great a love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let me put that in this context. Corinthian church had a lot of problems. A lot of problems. In this particular instance, they're fighting over spiritual gifts. So Paul goes, you know, the greatest gift of all is love. And we have 1 Corinthians 13 where he lays out the definition of what true love is. 
You can have every gift in the world, be able to do wonderful things, but you don't have love, it means absolutely nothing. That's the... First Corinthians tells us, First Corinthians 13, God's love never fails, it never gives up, it never stops, collapses, or crashes. Here's the truth, and I hope it sinks in, not only here, but more importantly in here. God loves everybody, regardless of who they are. I didn't say to some, I said everyone. And God loves everyone, regardless of where they have been or what they have done. And he desires to reach out to you with his love if you would only let him do so. Let's look at the text. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, or lavished. Now that word lavished is not in the Greek but what they're doing in that translation, which is NIV, they're talking about how great a love there is. How do you explain the love of God and in the fashion in which he gives it? That's the reason why they use that word lavish. It's like he just pours it out over us. And that word see is an imperative. It's a command. It's calling us to look at God's love, give it attention and reflection. And Roger alluded, alluded to this just a minute ago, that that Greek adjective that's translated how great, it was actually used a lot of times as what country. So what John is saying, that God's love is so great, so matchless, and so wonderful, that what country or where could this love possibly come from? Because it cannot be defined by anything here on earth. John Stood, who's a biblical scholar, put it this way, quote, the Father's love is so unearthly, so foreign to this world, that he wonders from what country it may have come from. End of quote. You cannot define the love of God by any measurement we have here on earth. I can't think of all the adjectives. I can't describe it accurately enough. In fact, there's a hymn called The Love of God talking about if every man was described and had quills all over the place and the oceans were ink and the sky was parchment, you would drain the oceans dry to write the love of God on the sky and then the sky could not contain all what you could write. That's how big and wonderful God's love is. We, we can't understand the magnitude of it. It's divine. It's a divine, initiated love that is active. Now bear with me. God actively seeks sinners to be part of his family. Now let that get in your head and your heart real good. God seeks sinners to become part of his family. God's love astonishes and amazes me and you. It creates wonder in all of us. Think about that. God seeks people who break His law, who curse His name. He seeks them with His love so that they may become part of His family. Now the next time you're driving down 287, this is coming back to haunt me by the way, Next time you drive down 287, you go to Walmart, where you go, and someone cuts you off or does something real nasty to you, 
Just let that thought cross your mind. God is actually seeking that person because he loves them and he may let that person do that to you so you could witness to them about the love of God. Now I know my wife's going to use that against me next time I'm driving down 287. Yes, I get angry just like you. Don't give me that look like that. You get angry too. I'm driving in traffic. It's a gift from God, the Father. This love. It cannot be earned. It cannot be brought. And it's given freely. It's never withdrawn. God has shown or demonstrated his love for us. What did Paul say? God has demonstrated his love towards us, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about it. And Roger, you brought this up earlier that Jesus hanging on the cross by the very people he came to save, the very people he ministered to and taught, writhing in that pain and all that agony, he cried out, Lord, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Not only does he demonstrate it on a daily basis, but he's given us his love in such a way that it becomes part of us. He lavishes it. He imparts it. A permanent, abiding love to his children. Notice that in that phrase, the Father has bestowed. It doesn't say God, it says Father. That's highlighting the family relationship. The relationship that is established by the Father's love. And this illustrates and begins to explain why he loves the unworthy. He loves his creation. You heard what the, the kids just said, right? For God so loved the what? Greek cosmos. God so loved the world. Not just a certain people group. Not just a nation. Not just the smart. Not just the wealthy. But God loves everyone. Christ died for everyone. Because John 3.16 goes on to say that whosoever believes in him shall what not perish but have everlasting life. You could translate that if you follow the Greek more precisely. See what manner of love he has given to us the Father. Word order is a little different because we're really following the Greek more point than we translate back in English. What a manner of love. And then we have a causal statement. He has bestowed on us this great love that what? We would be called the children of God. God's love transformed those who exercise saving faith into his children. That's more than just a title. I want you to understand. It's not just a title that you wear. You literally are a child of God. That's a relationship. It's not a title. It's not just something someone calls you. You have that relationship. We are members of a family. We are God's children. Let's go back to Ephesians for a second. Before I came to the saving faith of Christ, professed my faith in Him, confessed and repented on my sins, what's the Bible call me? An enemy of God. I was alien to that family, but because of Christ, now I become part of the family. Part 
of his family, a, a child of God. He goes on to say, for this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. He's talking about Christ. As Christians, we are partakers in the divine love that results in being designated the children of God and the world does not understand us because the children of God are radically different from the children of the world. We love differently. We serve each other differently. We treat each other differently than what the world does. See, worship. We should think about bringing lost people in, but worship's supposed to be for the saved, for the saints, because when the lost people see the saints and stand up and praise God, they're going to say, what is going on here? They are different. This is not just something they're going through, something they just don't do. They are passionate about it. It's coming out of their heart. You can see it. People will see that. They'll be drawn to it. John chapter 8, verses 42 through 47 this whole thing about children of God and children of the world. Listen to what Jesus says in this passage. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. <laughs> to be a child of God, I need to love Jesus. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are your father, the devil. Uh oh. And you do not want to do the desire, and you do want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God, and for this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. So he's saying, if you truly were, because the whole argument goes, you go back in John 8, we're, we're the children of Abraham, of course we're the children of God. And Jesus said, oh, no, you're not, because you don't love me, you're seeking to kill me. If you truly love God, he was your father, he lo- you love me because you understand he sent me. Can I just throw another thing out there? You can't say you're a child of God and hate the church. doesn't work. Jesus set the church up. He founded the church by his own blood. He loves the church because the church is not this building the church. Take a look around. Seriously, look. You are the church. God loves every last one of you in spite of what he knows. Let that sink in real deep for a second. Now, when you consider the world's natural depravity and opposition to God... We should, as children of God, anticipate rejection and hatred. Look how they treated Jesus. The Bible tells us he had no sin. He did no wrong. Look at the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All his ministry was always serving somebody else. Did miracles. Always for somebody else. And yet, they crucified him. Even Pilate, a pagan, a Roman, looked at him and said, I don't understand, this man has done nothing wrong. This is the same guy you welcomed just a few days ago and hailed him as a prophet. Now you want to kill him. 
doesn't compute. That's Tim's translation, not in the Bible. But Paul's, I don't understand this. And this is going to sound what they would say oxymoron, but bear with me. Rejection by the world attests to the reality that you are a child of God. To be one of his is to be treated like he was. When we truly live out and follow Christ, people are going to hate you. They're going to call you names. It's just the way it is. I mean, after all, they rejected him. Many. Should we not expect the same? Now, I'm not saying you should go out and look for it. And I'm not suggesting we should just blow it off because it hurts. Rejection hurts, does it not? Especially when it's members of your own family. But we should expect no less. In fact, Matthew 10, verse 24 Jesus speaking, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. We should plan and take care of our family and do those sorts of things. I, I don't suggest not doing that by what I'm about to say, but we need to keep things in perspective that this place is not our home. You understand that? What awaits for us is more grandeur and more beautiful and marvelous than we can possibly imagine. I can, just think about this for a second. In heaven, there is no sin. Absolutely no sin. It's completely eradicated. You know what that means? Not only will we see Jesus face to face, but we'll be perfectly relatable to each other. No jealousy. No backbiting, no rumors. All that stuff will be gone. What in the world does that look like? I have no idea, but I'm looking forward to it. And I love verse 2. Almost asked you to stand up and just shout this so everybody can hear you. Beloved, now we are children of God, he says. That word beloved. Some translations say dear friends. That does a disservice to the Greek because it's emphasizing the bonding love that our Father has for His children. So when I address you as beloved, I'm telling you that I care about you, that I love you. Why do I love you? Because we share a same love for the Father. That's what binds us together. It's not about the money or the music. It's all about our love for God that binds us together as a family. And John says we... He's identifying himself with one of them as the beloved of God. He has intense love for them because of their love they have for him. That's why when we hear another sister church somewhere, someone coming to faith, someone coming to, uh, to set their life right with God, we all have reason to rejoice because they, they share that love. He says it has not appeared as yet or been revealed what we will be. That word now is emphasizing and stressing that we are children of God, but the not yet is emphasizing the full extent of what we will be will, has not been revealed. In other words, our present status as children of God is wonderful, but our future status will be even more extraordinary. God has only begun a small work in you that has not reached its full completion yet. <laughs> Aren't you glad about that? I don't care how old you are in this room. God has only begun that work 
and you as an individual, and us as a church. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. We're still works in progress. When we mess up, there's still hope that we can confess and repent, and God reaches down and forgives us. Our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west, and he continues his work in us and through us. Because why? He loves us. He says at the end of verse there that when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him just as he is. John wants his readers, he wants you and I to anticipate and be prepared for this event. It's a reference to the promise that we'll become like Christ. Now, we'll not become spiritual gods, little gods, but we'll become like Christ. It's spiritual unity, not complete identity. Back to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Listen very carefully. For now we see in a mirror dimly. We get glimpses. We experience the glory of God. Sometimes in worship service, sometimes listen to a song or radio, whatever it is, you have those glimpses. It's like looking in a mirror. We know, but we can't really see it yet. But he says, but then face to face. For I know in part, but then I will fully, I will know fully just as I've also been fully known. Paul's telling us when that day happens, we won't see through a dimly lit mirror. We won't know in part, we'll be we will know fully just as he's fully known us. Can you imagine looking in the eyes of Christ? Can you imagine that? Seeing his nail-scarred hands, his side, scars in his head, possibly were the crown of thorns. And in that moment, being so overcome with the love and the holiness of God, you fall down. Lord, I'm not worthy. Christ says, no, but I paid the way and you believed in me. You're one of mine. Come on in, dear child, for great is your reward. He says in verse 3 that everyone who has this hope fixed on him. I love what the New Living Translation did here. Whoever has this eager expectation. Do you have an eager expectation about the coming of Christ? You find yourself sometimes just wishing, Man, I wish it happened right now. See, everyone who dismisses any claims that someone may make about special privileges or exemptions doesn't exist. Everyone who has this hope, what will purify himself just as he is pure. Possession of this hope, this eager expectation, motivates one to live a life of purity. In fact, it will produce purity. There is no exception. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it creates a desire in us to live a pure life. See, it's one thing to be wrestling with something. I wrestling with a specific sin, and you're crying out to God, help me, and there's Get some, I always get brothers around me, or I tell my wife she prays for me, but you wrestle with that's one thing. But it's quite another just to keep doing something over and over again. So, oh, forgive me anyway, who cares? There's a difference. If Christ is truly in my life, there's a desire for me to put down those things and become more like him. 
Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and not sworn deceitfully. I'm going to pause for just a moment. i got to say something about this. Last week, there was an award show on TV for music, the Grammys. There was an act on there that was real bad. And that's another issue, but this is what I want to address. CBS, the network, tweeted, but they took it down almost three minutes after they posted it. You know what the tweet said? The artist said, we're getting ready for it. This is going to be wonderful. We can't wait. CBS tweeted back, yes, we're excited too. We are ready to worship. Took that down. Now, I know some of you are saying, I don't watch the Grammys, I don't care, but it's going out there to a lot of our young people. That's where we're headed as a society. But yet, there's also a lot of revival happening. People are coming to save the knowledge of Christ. We can't give up. We have to keep pressing towards the goal. We have to be out there reaching out to the lost in our community, in our nation, around the world. Because if we're truly one of his, we're going to purify ourselves. And here's, here's the, where the rubber hits the road. To live that way, I don't judge my life the way you live your life. You're not my standard. In other words, I can't justify my actions, my behavior, or my words based on what you do or do not do. That does not cut it. My standard, my standard alone is Christ. Measure my life against him because he is the goal. He is the standard. And what we've done in our society, even in our churches, we look at, well, so-and-so goes there or so-and-so does this. Okay, fine, maybe they shouldn't do that. But the issue is, how's your life comparing to the standard, the goal himself, which is Christ? Because we can't stand before God one day, look, look what Dial did, ain't going to cut it. The question is, what did you do with the knowledge of Christ? Now, I can tell that, tell that to you very confidently because you're hearing the gospel. You know who Christ is. And you're going to be given an opportunity to do something about that knowledge. But that's completely up to you what you do with it. I hope that you listen. I hope that you receive it. I hope you're obedient to it. That's my prayer. That's the cry of my heart. But at the end of the day, I can't make you do that. Only the Spirit of God can change a human heart. I do not have that power. I like what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Talking about the resurrection, he goes, Not that I've already obtained it or I have already become perfect. I'm not there, he says. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is what we need to do. You ever notice in your car how big the windshield is compared to the rearview mirror? We need to pay attention to where we're headed. doesn't mean you can't learn from the past. We can't dwell in the past. 
at some point you're going to have to let that past go. Don't let yourself be defined by your past. What are you doing here now? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself, Jesus says. What are you doing right now in this moment is the most important decision that anyone can make. And with that said, have you received the matchless love of God? Do you belong to the family of God? And that's only possible through a relationship with Christ Jesus because we serve a holy, perfect God. He cannot be in the sight of sin. We are sinners because we have broken the law of God. And when you break the law of God, the wages of sin is death. Something had to be done with that, and Christ took that for us. Jesus Christ is the greatest love gift ever given to all humanity. That is the greatest gift of love that we can ever witness or experience. God's love for you is so deep and so wide, it's indescribable. Do not be persuaded by the world's definition of love. Rather, I want you to look at God's definition of love by simply looking at the cross of Christ and hearing him say, child, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Come to me, let me clean you up, lay your burdens down, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he says. If you are a child of God, are you purifying yourself on a daily basis, sanctification, becoming more like Christ Every day, every moment. And I like to echo the words of Paul. When I preach this, I'm not saying I've attained it or even come close. What I'm telling you is I'm pressing on towards that goal. I can't give up. I got to keep on going. And when I fall, I confess and I repent. I get people around me to help me. God, help me. And he picks me up. And I keep on. Just to read some verses out of 1 Corinthians 13 as we close. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. And it's not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffered. In other words, you don't keep score. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I can't think of a better Valentine's Day gift to give someone than the love of God. It's so indescribable. It is so great. It is given so freely. If you want to experience that, we, we call this area an altar it's not because we sacrifice anything here per se, but it's called an altar because this is where we bow down before God and say, God, here it all is. 
Here it all is. Is there something that you're tangled up with, you can't seem to let go? Lay it down. You're not going to tell him anything he doesn't already know. Have you made a profession of faith in Christ? Now is the time. If you've done so, maybe it's time to let some things go. Because what the devil will do, our enemy, he will use anything and everything at his disposal, even your past. I know I've been guilty of this. Lord, forgive me of, it's almost like God saying, well, Tim, you've already confessed that and I forgave you of it and you're making strides in that area. Why, why, you want, why are you asking again? Trust me. I love you, Tim. I'm not going to leave. Like some, some people experience in this room, when something goes wrong, the person that you love leaves. And they hurt you. They hurt you bad. God won't do that. He'll stay beside you. He'll walk with you. He'll laugh with you. And yes, at times, he will cry with you. Because he loves you. More than you can ever imagine. The invitation's open. Whosoever. And no one in here is going to laugh at you or make fun of you or make you feel unwanted. If anything, we'll come up beside you or pray with you or cry with you or love you as we do life together, as we follow him, pressing on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call, which is in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for your great love. It's hard for us to imagine how you could love us in spite of what we have done and who we are. But yet, God, you do. And even now in this world that has seemed to be tearing itself apart and in your holy name. Even now, Father, you love the world so much that you're still calling out. Still reaching down to many. Still calling to us. Father, I, I pray for my fellow believers, my fellow disciples in Christ, my fellow brothers and sisters, that that truth that they are a son or a daughter of God. Father, let that truth burn in their hearts. Remind them who they are. And their identity is found in you, not what the world says by images or by movies or by magazines or by pictures, but their true identity and their self-worth is found in you. you love them so much but you don't want them to spend eternity without you and you were willing to pay the cost yourself with your only son continue to move and continue to speak to us oh God in Christ's name we pray